Hello, my name is David Ian McKendry, former Fangoria video producer and writer back in the early 2010s, and now podcast host of this show, Penning Terror. Now, each episode of Penning Terror, I'll be interviewing renowned horror writers to get their insight into the craft of horror writing and the business in general from a writer's perspective. This show is for both up-and-coming writers out there that are looking for advice from professional working writers, as well as you non-writers out there who are just curious about the process or just want to hear an in-depth, behind-the-scenes account of how your favorite horror films got onto the page. Whatever brought you here, I hope you enjoy the show and that you walk away with something useful from it. And now on with Penning Terror. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take my time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. In here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? It's 2020 and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code PENNINGTERROR for 15% off right now now that's promo code penning terror p-e-n-n-i-n-g-t-e-r-r-o-r for 15 percent off right now hey gang on today's show uh, writer director ricky bates jr stops by the studio to talk about his films uh, his creative process uh, a little about the Baltimore Orioles, baseball cards, and a hell of a lot more. It's a fascinating conversation with uh, an auteur whose unique style and, and voice is unparalleled and uncompromising. Uh, during a time when there are just uh, seems to be less and less auteurs that, uh, coming up out there, uh, it's a great listen, uh, really educational, so please sit back and enjoy. One of the things that uh, really grabs me about your work are, are your characters. Your characters are just, just eclectic and just, just so creatively developed. Where, where do these characters come from? Hmm. Well, I, I would say the thing that interests me most about movies are the characters, mm-hmm. especially now that I'm sort of enveloped in the business and we have to work with one you know between five or six sort of story story structures to sell anything so um you know your story and your structure it's going to be derivative uh from the get-go in order to to make anything to Mm -hmm. some extent so you know the thing that excites me the thing that you can get really weird on at first is the sort of characters um and uh, I, I don't have an answer that's mm-hmm. fascinating or a way to intellectualize <laughs> that's all right. it. I just kind of write 
whatever I, I guess I want. I sit in a corner, I, got a, I stare at a white wall, and I just sort of start writing. Yeah, and do you think the, these characters just drive the story for you? Just Usually, well, at first, I mean, with a movie like Excision, for sure, right, because it's all, it's a, there's a beginning, a middle, and end, and then it's all vignettes taking mm-hmm. you there. So it's not a traditional structure. It's more like, I guess, the way um, John Milius would talk about writing, where he, he, he never, you know, note-carded shit or, uh, you know, beat-sheeted it out or any of the, the stuff they tell you to do in screenwriting books. He just started writing, and then he stopped writing when it was over. Mm-hmm. And then he kept going back and refining and refining and refining. Um, and I think, look, I don't think there's any wrong way to, to write a script or to make a movie. So, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to each their own. You know, now now I usually start with a, a structure, a very basic structure, a very boring structure, and then I uh, and I focus on the characters, and then once I'm done, I start sort of moving pieces of the structure of the puzzle around. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I did with Tone Deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with Trash Fire, I mean, it's a two act. The the twist, the criticism, I can't it's insane that movie got made. I, I love it. Uh-huh. Um, I saw that at uh, at Fantasia. It's the a two act movie. It was. It was. It was it, lo- I loved it. It, it was it, hilarious. It's when the it was... third act starts, uh-huh. you know, and try selling that. <laughs> um, but you know, it's by design because you know the whole point of the movie was you know it can be too late to change. That was sort of the whole idea. Right. Um, and uh, you kind of yeah. you kind of stop right before the redemption. Right there. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, plays are two acts, so Doctor Phil. <laughs> Doctor Phil is wrong. It can be too late to change. <laughs> is that is that important to you to to kind of like go against the grain of uh, what people would expect? Um, maybe more so now than then. I mean, when I wrote Trash Fry, I wasn't really thinking about anything on the anything at all. You know, when I wrote Excision. When I wrote Excision, I was, you know, it was personal, and then Suburban Gothic, I had some, you know, it wasn't a particularly pleasant experience, and, uh, you know, I was sort of down in the dumps, and I I decided I wasn't going to ever make a movie again Mm -hmm. until I made something my way, Mm -hmm. like Excision again, and, you know, being the uh, psycho I am, I guess I I made it really hard on myself by writing a movie like that, Mm -hmm. but... Dave Lawson um, got it made, so he was awesome. He came up to me at ScreenFest after Suburban Gothic, and I didn't have a particularly pleasant experience, and he just walked up to me, and he, you know, he said, I'm going to produce your next movie, um, yeah. and he actually did, you know, which is the crazy part. That's awesome. You know, that's people cool. say shit like that all the time. Oh, that's great. So the characters are, do have some good flaws to them. Mm-hmm. How do you keep heavily flawed characters Likeable, or is it important to keep them likable? Oh, I'm not. I, I, I have no interest in keeping anyone likable. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't necessarily believe that anyone is super likable. You know, if you really, really get to know them, I think, mm-hmm. and I think that it's, it's healthy to show flawed characters. I think. You know, the problem with a lot of movies is, and you know, photography and et cetera, et cetera, is there's this weird sort of precedent set that you're supposed to be this kind of martyr figure or this whatever. Um, I, I have no interest in it. It's not, you know, it's not for me. I don't think there's, but having said that, I don't think there's a wrong way to make a movie or to do anything. I don't have a problem with people spending a first act, you know, uh, 
taking a nice fella and having him, you know, go through a few pitfalls and then, you know, face face adversity and and hit that, you know. I I don't I don't even necessarily mind that. I think there's some good movies done like that, you know. Um, the the worst thing I could say and the last thing the only thing I don't want to say is that there's a right way to do anything. Um, the minute you start thinking like that, you know, your your films become boring. Right, and it's so weird because that's something we're just all ingrained in our head from well, it's a, school. Is yeah, it's a problem. It's with always film right way so to a, do something. It's a huge yeah, it's a huge problem with film school, and a lot of filmmakers, I would say. And and again, my opinion, just because all of their knowledge, all of their sort of a, a lot of them, uh, you know, it's all films. They just watch films. They don't necessarily listen to music or go to plays and go to museums and look at photography and you know all these other art forms. Uh, read, read a lot. You know, write. Uh, it's all all of their sort of background when it comes to filmmaking is other films mm-hmm. and. So I, I really try to, you know, I, I digested so many films my entire youth. I try not to look at anything when I'm making a movie now that's film-related uh, whatsoever because I, I don't, I don't want to be any more influenced by that than I already am by virtue of the fact that, you know, I spent my entire youth in my parents' basement watching movies. Yeah. How, do you, how do you keep away from doing that while you're working? It's not, it's not, it's not too difficult uh, yeah. for me. Um, you know, I I watch a lot of documentaries and I, I read uh-huh. a lot uh, and I listen to me. I mean, music's my favorite thing now. I sit in my garage and I listen to records from front to back because I'm trying to really, I'm trying to stay away from this sort of you know go on Spotify and listen to that one single over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to rediscover all these albums as albums and be patient with them, sit through them, and sort of you know. I think it gets you thinking. Uh, it's a great creative outlet. I mean, mm. I come up with a lot of things while I'm listening to music. I certainly don't listen to music when I write. It's dead silence, but um, in between writing, I, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you, you write in silence, this total oh, yeah. silence. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a crazy thing. I write in silence, and I can't, I can't even have a beer. I can't drink. I can't do drugs. I can't. It's probably the one thing that sort of saved me is I love movies more than anything, and... You know, especially you know after Suburban Gothic, I certainly was, was doing some drugs, and I uh, I stopped to write it again, uh-huh. to write that movie, to write again, and I can't write it. I you know, again, I want to say there's no wrong way to do this, but mm-hmm. I feel inauthentic if I'm influenced by anything because I try to keep them so personal, and if I have like a beer in me or cocaine or anything, then mm-hmm. then I'll you know I might write it, but I'll I'd throw it away because doesn't feel right the mm. next day. What are some of your writing habits that you have to... Well, right now, do? I guess what I'm most interested in doing is making movies like their music tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I listen to, to music, and it's the thing, you know, I say it, it's, you know, no one ever complains there's like a rain stick in the background of an indie rock song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, music's been around so long, there are no rules. Um so with a movie, people expect sort of a, a sustained tone because it's kind of what their film school teacher or their, uh, I don't know, whoever sort of influenced them, who's influenced 
by the past sort of tells them you're so you know sustain a tone and ground things and that's good and to me that's just not it's not necessarily uh interesting anymore and um uh you know so i I try to sort of create these heightened personal worlds based on reality uh you know kind of like i guess i guess in a perfect world movies for me now would all kind of look like Freddy got fingered you know they would all be like sticking a funnel in someone's brain and just watching what happens because mm-hmm. to me that's growth and that's like understanding a person uh, being in their head you know mm-hmm. more than uh, these sort of characters who start off authentic and then and then become derivative by virtue of the fact you have to put them through these plot ma- you know machinations or whatever um, I want to be like in the filmmaker's head. It's why I love a filmmaker like Harmony Corrine, for instance, where you know love his movies or hate them. Like this is that is, you are in this man's head for an hour and a half, and I'd love to you know be in as many people's heads as possible. That's wow. the biggest takeaway for me. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, Did you find you had to to forget a lot of what you learned in film school just to kind of no, start I, over? I or? think it's good to know. I think I think it's good to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Having said that, you know, I watch I watch every I watch the most pretentious indie movies on the planet and I watch the biggest Hollywood movies. I love movies, right? So mm-hmm. um I can only speak for myself. You know, what's the thing? It's you make movies like you wish uh you make the kinds of movies you wish you could see, right? So so because and strangely now, you know, there's more content being made than ever before, but it seems that certainly from the meetings I take and talking to my filmmaker friends, um, uh, you really can't sell things that are avant-garde uh, in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You almost have to sell them uh, basic, and then uh, as a filmmaker, take that basic idea and and try to make it weird and worth your time. Um, but yeah, the people aren't as interested in taking risks right now. With that change, of course, it will. Uh, but I do think. I do think that, uh, you know, I guess I'm trying to make the kinds of movies I wish there were more of made right now. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if anyone else wants to see them. I have no idea. I also, you know, I can't bother myself with caring because the minute I do that, you know, they lose their authenticity and mm-hmm. pandering. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself, uh, when you're in the writing process, do you find yourself uh, having to steer away more... Uh, uh, forcing yourself to steer away from uh, f- films that you don't want to make or that you don't want to see. Uh, yeah. um, sure, yeah. Sure. I mean, I've, I've lost countless movies I've been hired to direct, and they've said, you know, do your director's pass, and then I rewrite the whole thing from scratch, and they say, are you fucking insane? <laughs> you know, it happens all the time. Um right. Because uh, I am sort of committed to creating this sort of catalog uh, of personal work, um, you know, I'd like to whatever. Uh, I'd like to die and have like a catalog of movies that mm-hmm. feel you un- like they came from the same person. So I do try to put my sort of spin on anything I'm doing. It makes it much harder to sell, mm-hmm. right? It, it makes everything less broad, and I understand that. Um, just recently, for the first time, I did my rewrite, and they didn't fire me. 
We'll see what happens. So auteur. They me yet. Uh, not yet. Well, so auteur, being an auteur is, is, is pretty important. Uh, it is. It is. You know, you're young and you hate. Well, to me it is. I mean, when you're young, right, there's this weird thing. It's like, like you, I grew up in Virginia and I loved this movie Rushmore by uh-huh. Wes Anderson and then I went to film school in New York and everyone loved Wes Anderson and it was it was not even cool to like Wes Anderson because of course you 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 moved to New York because you liked Wes Anderson and then it was you know yeah. it's it's this whole it's this whole weird thing so you know I try not to really try it when you're young, when you're in your 20s, it's important, more important to you to be liked, right? Mm-hmm. So I tried not to seem pretentious or like I cared as much, even though deep down I was, like, dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's more, I don't really give a shit what anyone says or thinks about me. I try to be, you know, a nice, good person. But, you know, if pretentious is caring and wanting to you know, create the kind of work you want to create, then yeah, sure, I guess I'm pretentious, and maybe so is every artist that I personally like. I think there's such a great moment to reach in your life, the the moment I don't care about people's opinion anymore. Right. It feels like that's when your your voice can, can really come out. Well, you know, I should clarify, I should clarify, because that's not... I don't care about people's opinion when I'm making the thing. Uh-huh. And then I always find myself hurt by the people that don't necessarily like it in this strange childish mm-hmm. way but but you can't think about that and you have to ignore it when you're making it right mm-hmm. if you're thinking about making a movie that people will like you know the beats to hit we know what to do i mean it's it's you know uh there is there is a formula now you can follow that formula and, and fall flat on your ass and you can follow that formula and make something interesting a lot of times i think it becomes interesting by virtue of the Performances, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know, with the humanity the actors bring to it. Yeah, you've had a, the good fortune of working with some really good actors out there. Uh, yeah, how did they get involved in your projects? You know, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I have no shame in asking people. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no shame because I care about the end result more than what kind of a fool I look like. Mm-hmm. trying to make it right you know matthew matthew himself you know used to refer to me as like a cockroach like no one no one wants these things i'm doing but i just won't stop making them <laughs> and there's something exciting about that yeah. uh you know did you see uh, you guys worked together before and knew each other before the film um when i was making excision so when i made excision i just kind of you, there's no there's no real way to make a movie, right? I'd been PAing and for a few years and getting people coffee and all that stuff. And I'd had this, you know, I made this short film back in college of Excision and it, it won some awards and stuff. And I got a few meetings out here in California and I had a feature version of the script and everyone hated it. And they all, you know, said it was terrible. Um, and luckily I was at that, I was young enough where that just, I, you know, I, I literally didn't change a thing just out of spite to right. prove them wrong, you know, and uh, and it did end up getting into Sundance and sort of starting my, I guess if you want to call it a career, mm-hmm. uh, what whatever it is I'm doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I just put that together with all my friends from growing up. We lived out here. Mm-hmm. We raised all the money um, and we, we made ourselves. 
you know we I remember I didn't sleep for along with the editors I think for almost 48 hours and I dropped a DVD in a giant box filled with DVDs at the Sundance office and I never even you know I never imagined it would play at Sundance or that any you know anything like that I just hadn't slept for 48 hours and I dropped in a box and I went home and then all of a sudden it was at Sundance you know this thing I made with like my buddies mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah you know and now I look back and it's holy shit all these actors we got to do it you know I had a whole uh, crew we hired they were film students at Long Beach State you know, like, uh, it was, the set was insane. Our script supervisor, I don't even think he made a note, you know, on a piece of paper. We just, you know, we just sort of made it by the skin of our teeth. We, the, the great thing was we didn't know we were doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. There was no right or wrong. There was make a movie or don't, you know. And now there seems to be, you know, the bigger the budgets, the bureaucracy and approval and all these things. Right. Yeah. So and there's a, a way. There, really, there's, there is no way. If you finish it, if you complete it, you did it. It's kind of the uh, making films by committee. Right. Uh, yeah. Film by committee. That's Yeah. And uh, so as you are right, going through the writing process, do you find yourself casting and, and, and kind of playing with how an, act, how an actor you know might play this role? No, I never think about it. <laughs> I really don't. Um don't because then you find yourself i i'm realistic enough to know that it's very difficult to get actors to do your movies i guess the only reason i've been fortunate enough is you know maybe my movies aren't is sort of commercial or um you know maybe i don't have as big a fan base as some people but i think that by virtue of the fact I get to write these sort of bizarre characters, it's exciting for these actors because even independent movies now you you really have to follow follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't say this as this is not speculation. You know, I'm out there pitching things, and my friends are out there pitching things every day. So, uh, you know, I guess I've lucked out because of that. You know, for instance, like Robert Patrick. You know, he said, "Yeah, I've never done anything like this before." You know, it's mm-hmm. exciting. And some of them, you know. Some of them want to do that, and I, I guess the cool thing, I guess now that I've made four movies, I don't have to coax someone into sort of joining us on this in this sort of heightened reality and doing all these uh, strange uh, things with their characters. You know, the people that that aren't interested in doing that just watch one of my movies before they sign on and say fuck no. Mm-hmm. You know, so people are really game now and it's you know we have a lot of fun and it's got to be a great feeling though when so some of these actors that you you know admired for their work uh, for so long read read what you've written and want to uh play those characters that you've created uh, it seems like i don't know it feels good mm-hmm. it feels as good as anything else i don't I don't necessarily get too excited about that. I get excited when I watch them act mm-hmm. because I'm in awe of actors' performances. Uh, you know, I have absolutely no talent in acting, and I think it's incredibly brave and difficult, and I get super psyched when I'm watching them in the moment. I don't. I try not to get excited until the movie's completely locked. Mm-hmm. Until then, there's really nothing to be excited about. There's everything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Is there is there some part of you that separates yourself when you're watching them act from the writer who wrote the words to somebody watching somebody perform? No, you know, it depends on the... No, I mean, I'm not precious about 
-hmm. I'm not precious about my scripts. I've been fortunate enough where actors a lot of the time don't want to improvise, you know, um, they, they like the lines, but I, I always do a pass with the actor. We read every, every with, you know, the, the leads and we read every line out loud. And if something doesn't sound exactly right or sounds, uh, strange coming out of that actor's mouth or like maybe they wouldn't say that we tweak it in the, in the moment so that when we're on set, we're not thinking about that. They're completely free to do their thing. But I always do a pass with all the actors before, um, not a sort of changing the story or the structure or the format pass, mm -hmm. but a dialogue pass. That's important to me. So, you know, with the budgets I have, di dialogue is my explosions and my mm -hmm. stabs and my, you know, that's, that's my sort of, I guess, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, I Jerry Bruckheimer my dial. <laughs> no, I I have absolutely no interest in subtlety and I Yeah. It, it it doesn't fascinate me. I you know, I either want to stay alone in my room, but if I do go to a party, I don't want to hang out with a nice quiet person. I want to I want to be with a maniac in the corner, right. you know. And that's how I like to to treat these movies. You know, if you if you want like a carefully observed piece of cinema you know watch someone else's movie yeah and it's it seems like you, you when you get the chance to to make something you really got to take advantage of that chance well it was, it was exciting with tone deaf particularly just because i don't think that i i do think right now you know the movie sort of exists as a cultural artifact more than anything right mm -hmm. um you know all it's saying is that everyone is full of shit you know, I wanted the posters to say, you're all full of shit, all of you. Um, <laughs> they, they didn't go for that tagline? No, no, they never, they never go for that <laughs> poster. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm full of shit. We're, you know, we're all full of shit. Right. Um, but the exciting thing is, I think, especially now with all this social media and technology and uh, inundation of news, I, I think everyone pretty much says how they feel. Uh, they don't even think about it. I think subtlety is dead. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I tried to capture that in this in this movie, along you know, along with a whole bunch of other things. It, it's sort of what excited me about really even making it was this idea, right, of making a movie like it was a song uh, using samples. So we've got this horror movie, right? That's mm -hmm. the equivalent of this is a dance track, and then you know we're gonna sample coming of age, slasher horror, absurdist comedy in equal doses back and forth and back and forth and back and forth like as if it was you know a dance song or a hip-hop song or something um you know that that was a reason to make the movie for mm. me two halves of a brain at war yeah <laughs> always. yeah always so what does get you in the, the the creative mindset when you start the the process of writing you know i wish i knew i wish i had an answer to that I just kind of, once I have an idea I like, I'll work on it for, you know, for 18 hours a day mm -hmm. until until it's done. You know, usually the first few drafts I'm not interested in showing to anybody, and then, you know, we figure it out. Um, I usually start with pages and pages of scenes and lines, right? I, I think if you have three scenes in a movie and... Uh, and they're interesting, and they 
people remember them. That's more than most movies. So I try to make sure I have at least three scenes I think no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or uh, you know, it's a very new spin on it. Something, something that might get people talking. Uh, but yeah, it's really sort of organic, I guess. I don't force myself. Uh, when I force myself, it's usually garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, or garbage to me. And again, I, you know, I have to be my own sort of litmus test, I guess, because... You know, a lot of the films I make, I mean, for crying out loud, you know, people don't know what the hell to make of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, now, when do you feel something's uh, ready for, for other people's eyes, for other people to read? Uh, when I'm ready to make it. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Uh, I usually don't. I look at it as a blueprint. I really do. I'm not precious about it. Uh-huh. I'm, I am uh, relentless about getting the thing made. And I usually, you know, I won't stop until it gets made. I've only had one film that I've tried to get made very hard uh, not happen. And mm. it's actually the best script I ever wrote by far. But I don't think it's going to get made. I wrote it, I made the mistake of writing it as if I had, um, you know, as if people were going to give me a lot of money needs takes like eight minutes a romantic comedy a huge ensemble it's like love actually for uh with very very odd couples you know i pitched it as a romantic comedy uh for people who could actually use one Uh and uh it takes place you know rupaul and john waters play god uh you know the lead character is navigating her way through a minefield of stds Uh et cetera et cetera but you know you know, everyone seems to like it, but look, that's a that's a tricky investment, right? Mm-hmm. Eight million dollars for a you know an STD movie, I guess. Right. <laughs> you know, I write so I, I I haven't done that again since. It, it was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You, you 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 look back on it now. I mean, I listen to myself talk. I'm like, that is absurd that you would even think that would happen, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I allowed myself to. It was just after Trash Fire, right? So I'd I'd had. It was my second Sundance movie, and I, 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 for whatever foolish reason, thought, oh, I'm in. I'm in the club now. Someone's going to give me some real money to do mm-hmm. something. But, you know. Would you ever mind something like that for another project, or do you still see that as something you would uh No, I'm going to make it one day. Yeah. I'll sell everything I have. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Sorry. We are right near the airport, so... Uh, all good. About uh, this time of night, the the UPS planes start taking off, and they go full speed as fast as possible because I guess they have no uh, passengers on board. Uh, it's tough to shoot here. Yeah, okay. yeah. Get a lot of uh, calling out for planes. Well, when I, you know, I was, I didn't even know that was a thing. I was so foolish when I made excision. We were right next to an airport, mm-hmm. and uh, there's planes, you know, every 10 minutes. <laughs> We're just screaming, what the fuck's going on? It's like, I, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know. Uh, we're 27, we're 26, whatever. Right. Uh, so what are the th- some of the things you've, uh, you've learned uh, from the writing process as you've, if, as you've gotten older and, and more experience in the business? Well, it depends what you, what you want to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what kind of movies you want to make, you know? Uh, I, think, I think if you want to break the rules, you need to learn the rules. Um, I think if you want to break the rules, you need to expect 
that people are going to have a hard time with it. And I think if you follow the rules, um, you've got to be pretty pretty creative with with the twists and turns, especially nowadays. I mean, you got to have a twist every eight pages, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe sort of a reveal. Um, you know, uh, it depends. Look to each their their own. I mean, I that's that's sort of my thing. That's that's why I like movies because I. You know, I feel like I'm, again, I feel like I'm spending time with different people. Mm-hmm. Or uh, when I see a good movie, I do. That's cool. Well, love what you're doing. I've enjoyed all the films you've made. Thanks, um, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by you're your, the guy. your characters. You're the one. You, you make your movies for me. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I will, love your characters. I well and and uh, I love how they, they, they move these very uh, original and just uh, eclectic stories forward that, that uh, are, are great stories to tell. Yeah, I'm, so, um, I'm sorry I couldn't really intellectualize it. No. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that I... I don't think that I'm that smart. Mm-hmm. I just kind of do what I do. You know, I still, I'm not jaded enough to not just feel <laughs> special when I see it on the big screen. I still feel like a kid. You know, I mean, I used to go to film camp. Like, it's all I ever wanted to do. So when I think about making these high movies in my parents' backyard, I'm still, it's just crazy that each time, like, I can't believe it. Couldn't make movies. Yes. You know, so I usually get teary-eyed and then, you know, walk out. Get, get, uh, get to see your name up there. Uh on the screen it's, it's and more you know you walk away with so many cool collaborators and it's like yeah yes the name thing i mean i mean let's not bullshit ourselves right it's exciting to to see you know for everyone i think in one way or another to see that but it's really it's more the thing we created between the title sequences <laughs> that will live longer than we ever will that right. that excites me Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming by and and talking to us today. I do okay? Yeah, you did great. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've got to say, Ricky is a a fascinating and important artist. Uh, There aren't a lot of auteurs out there with a a recognizable signature style uh, like Ricky. Uh, It's great to hear from someone who's who's stayed true to himself. Uh, If you haven't seen his work, check out uh, his films, Trash Fire, uh, Excision, uh, his latest film, Tone Deaf, it's uh, now streaming, starts Amanda Crew and Robert Patrick. All of his work is really uh, worth a viewing. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep writing. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take me time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. In here that means that I'm working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Penning Terror is a Fangoria Podcast Network original, produced and hosted by David Ian McKendry. Executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr. Produced by Natasha Pacetta. Associate producer Jessica Safava Mare. Art and design by Jason Koslerich. Sound recording, design, and mixing by David Ian McKendry. For Fangoria, Brandon Wynardi.